0: I guess we have a couple things to talk about here. Uh, hey! Hello! Hello! Yeah. Hello, everybody, and welcome! And welcome! Welcome! Home. Welcome to another episode of The Last Ones In Podcast. Um, kind of, at least. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we, by we, I mean, uh, me and Liz and Sam just finished watching the show on Netflix, Midnight Mass. By the way, I am Dreyer Gilletta joined here by Liz. Hey. And then Sam will be calling in here in just a moment to join the show. And um yeah. So we're just going to fill a little bit of air here while she while she gets in. Um Yeah. All right, I'm going to flip my mic around here. I think Sam's here now.
1: Hello. Hey, hey,
2: I am here.
3: Hey, hey.
2: I'm here.
3: On time. Perfect. Am I <laughs> Ready to go. That's what you say, even if you're not, Sam.
0: Okay. <laughs> well, I'm on time. Perfectly um, on time.
2: Yeah, you are. Yes. Cool.
0: <laughs> we sound good on that end, Sam. Um, I think so, yeah. Okay, great. Do I sound good on my end? You do. Okay, okay. So, Midnight Mass. You're a little echoey, Sam. Let me turn it down slightly. Thank you. Midnight Mass. Okay, is that better? Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Okay. Third time's the chart. Third time, yeah. We started (laughs) watching Midnight Mass, what, Monday night?
3: I Tuesday.
0: Tuesday night, and really, it was kind of on my radar because I really like Mike Flanagan, who, which was the director, producer, writer, showrunner. I think he directed every episode, actually. He did. Um, and wrote every episode. Yeah, huge undertaking, honestly. And um, oh, I could do that in my sleep. Oh yeah. <laughs>
3: <Cool>. <laughs> okay. I, you guys just haven't seen my stuff.
0: If you could just like oh. pull like three or four of those shows out <laughs> mm-hmm. real quick, so we could just you know. <laughs> Figure a few financial things out that'd be great
1: yeah i can do it too i like the struggle i haven't seen it
0: oh okay cool cool good good (laughs) i'm I'm always glad to know i'm surrounded by talent
1: (laughs) okay sorry that's a weird laugh (laughs)
0: um so yeah we i didn't actually plan on watching it because we haven't had netflix for a while and then we had it for a little bit for like a documentary or something i forgot we even watched on there i don't remember either yeah but 100%. we we had it for a little bit again, so we we're like, all right, well, let's we we have it for a little bit? Let's watch it. And then, mostly at the behest of you, Sam, because you watched part of that first episode,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and you were like, hey, uh, I think some stuff in here is really weird and off. Can you guys watch it and let me know what's up?
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah, so it was I on did. our watch list, and we were going to just watch it at some point but then literally the next day you were like hey you, you're gonna need it someone needs to watch this with me yeah and then watch this so try.
1: i can talk about it
3: yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> and
3: now here we are it's yeah
2: been. seven episodes deep. yeah
0: <laughs> and we yeah, watched we, it all
1: we binged it <laughs> yep same here well i don't know if i would consider it binging since I only watched one to two episodes at a time because so I feel like it's one of those shows you gotta savor. Also, there's a lot that's ha- that happens.
0: So there's a ton that happens. To I would say in. like this is one of the most monologue heavy shows I think I've ever seen. Yeah. yeah I think every single true. character at one point gets like a ten minute monologue. At least
3: <laughs> Yeah. It's like Shakespeare.
0: A little bit. A little bit like sure. Shakespeare. But with like slightly more priests. Also, Sam, you're playing with a lot of paper.
3: Sorry. I don't know. I don't know. Have you
0: <laughs> Shakespeare had lots of priests too. Did it I've never really read Shakespeare, actually. It's probably something I should have like done at some point, right? I don't know. Nah. It's Do like you... the thing. He's like the the dude who made stuff fun, right? Uh, yeah i think i don't know I, <laughs> I think that shows how much shakespeare i've read
2: <laughs> and he's part
3: of every every school curriculum in high school yeah so whatever except for mine my- except for yours <laughs> it's fine but ev- his stuff is just very monologuey everyone has a speech it's all very dramatic and mm-hmm. it's not happy most of the time it's not happy endings so
0: from the seven million romeo and juliet adaptations that i've seen none of them end happily so
3: Mm-mm. no no, no. So. i haven't seen any no what, really? no i've read it no. i've never
1: seen any of it no
0: i don't believe that that i've read I it i don't believe that no, because that i feel
1: like <laughs> no i believe that you read it <laughs> <laughs> no, I, but, but there's like so many adaptations like not, and they all look not even bad. always like um super on the nose adaptations like completely but like i feel like there's a lot of inspiration that comes from romeo and juliet like in general <laughs> I feel
0: like every love story that's like ever been written is kind of just basically romeo and juliet at some point do they Which, die though some of <laughs> I time, yeah.
1: consider? <laughs> I wouldn't even consider Romeo and Juliet a love story. Because it's about yeah. like a fucking 13 year old or fucking whatever. You've never seen West and Side like, Story? I've seen West Side
3: Story. That's
0: Romeo and Juliet.
1: Yeah, that's Romeo and Juliet. Oh, okay. The more you know. <laughs> I guess so then. I saw that there's going to be, oh, sorry, this is like going off. But I saw um a trailer for the new West Side Story, actually.
0: Directed by Steven Spielberg yeah it's really weird
1: weird, weird yeah <laughs> spielberg shakespeare same thing but at least <laughs> in this one they they won't just like take white people and like paint them brown
0: <laughs> uh no i some, maybe i think there's some questionable <laughs> casting still actually oh. yeah. we will see but anyway Okay, anyway. As E would say, this is not the Steven Spielberg podcast. Or the Shakespeare podcast.
1: Or even the Midnight Mass
0: podcast. Today it is. (laughs) Today it is. (laughs) So yeah, Midnight Mass, for those not in the know of the behind the scenes, is another work by Mike Flanagan, who rose to, I would say, popularity and fame to a certain extent. Because of Oculus, he did a short that was Oculus uh, in film school. I think he was in film school. If I remember that correctly. And then eventually that got picked up to be a feature film. He did that. And that was my introduction to him, which that was his first big uh, film. His It was his first film, rather, I should say. Feature length film. And... Me and Liz went and saw that. I don't know how I got you to actually go see that.
3: I wanted to see that one. Did you really? Yeah. It's so weird.
0: Because you like...
3: Some shit looks good, man. You got to watch it.
0: You you don't like horror, so it's just a strange thing. I
3: don't. Actually, that's one of my favorites, and I will never watch it again.
0: (laughs) Ever. (laughs) It really made me think twice about eating apples.
3: That movie is underrated.
0: It really is, actually. I fucking love Oculus. Um, Me
1: too. I... I have seen long that because you've long shown long. it to me, but it's been a long, long, long time.
0: Yeah. And then he's he's gone on to do like more popular works, I would say. Or maybe not more popular, but more super mainstream mm-hmm. works.
1: Google says he did Doctor Sleep.
0: He did. He directed Doctor Sleep. Huge, cool. uh, not Steven Spielberg, uh, Stephen King fan he is. That's not even the only Stephen tell. King thing that he's directed, actually. Because before he did that, he did Gerald's Game. Which was a Netflix thing that okay. he made his wife be a star of?
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay, let me see. He's he the not same a... actress, isn't a lot
0: that uh, that one actress Casey is his Gall. wife.
1: That's his wife. Oh, Casey Gall, that's his wife. Okay. Yeah. That's why then. <laughs> yeah, because she, she uses her in another movie.
0: The gypsy in
1: Doctor Sleep.
0: No, 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 no. No, no. Okay. Um,
3: I'm like, she had the hair, but...
0: No, I'm not sure. The other girl was way hotter. Was she in Doctor Sleep, actually? She had been, right? I feel like it'd be almost offensive um, if he didn't put his wife in like his biggest movie. I don't know if I... But also...
3: I don't see. Anywhere. I think now... I don't think he was before, but I think now Stephen King is more involved in his movies.
0: Um, to an extent, yeah.
3: Yeah, to an extent, but... I don't think I remember her. It definitely wasn't her, I think. I'm not that sure, though.
0: If she was in it, she had a very passing role, but I don't remember her in Doctor Sleep at all, honestly.
1: Yeah. But, know. yeah. Um, I guess the most well-known thing that he'd be known for is um, Haunting of Hill House and Fly Manor, because those are actually pretty super popular with a range of people.
0: Extremely popular, actually. Also, Netflix series.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> um, that was actually one thing that I remember reading about Midnight Mass before it came out is he was very adamant about like this is not part of the haunting series this is not going to be tonally similar to those this is its own thing mm-hmm. don't expect that same kind of story or plot or tone from Midnight Mass it's its own thing not part of the series
1: I mean okay I there is sort of the same tone Probably not like um as yeah. gothic horror. It feels like more like a I don't know. What would you say it feels like?
0: I don't know. It's it's very weird. The things that I want to describe it as I think would be kind of spoilery for early on in the discussions. Because there's things that I directly correlate it with near the end. <laughs> but
1: I would yeah. I would definitely consider it like a gothic horror because it does remind me like a lot of Dracula ish um which spoilers <laughs> i don't know how spoilery we're gonna get here
0: <laughs> we'll get spoilery but i would like to tag it before we get there
1: okay <laughs> so forget um, what i just said <laughs> that wouldn't have been spoilers if you didn't say
2: <laughs> so <True. laughs>
1: <laughs> and then people would be watching like the first few episodes, and they'd be like, "How is this anything like Dracula? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> there's no castle, there's no fucking <laughs> yeah <laughs> i didn't I don't think I got a a
3: gothic Victorian vibe from it, honestly.
1: not a Victorian vibe, but definitely a Gothic horror sort of vibe to it. i don't um, I don't even know if I
3: got a horror vibe from it because we were just watching the reason I actually wanted to watch it is because we watched like the little trailer thing that Netflix does. And I was like, okay, I kind of watched blind manner and I was like, kind of hoping dry. didn't watch it all without me, <laughs> but he always talked about it. And I'm like, okay, I'm kind of glad he did though, because it was kind of creepy sounding. And I don't know. It just seemed like something. it Cause it's modern. So I don't know. I just didn't get a, a gothic vibe from it,
1: but
0: I don't I think I agree with you. I didn't like get a gothic vibe necessarily. I did
1: because it is very dark and it is monologue heavy <laughs> and it's sort of yeah. I don't know, just the vibe of it is because it doesn't all gothic horror doesn't have to be like, you know, fucking Edgar Allan Poe <laughs> and stuff like that. No, I it mean doesn't. It, because yeah, I mean Modern gothic horror is a bit different than just like gigantic castles and stuff like that. But
0: I would almost put it in like a modern fairy tale, honestly.
1: Yeah, I was actually sort of getting that vibe off of it too. And I mentioned that to somebody else and they're like, um, I don't see it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I did get like a fairy tale sort of vibe like off the first few episodes. Yeah. And then, um I don't know why. I don't know why. And I felt, I don't know, like I said when I, like, recommended this to you, like, the first episode seems really weird. Maybe it's because I didn't know what to expect exactly. But the acting sort of seems a little, I don't know, different. Really good, I guess. Maybe that's why it's so different. <laughs>
0: You've been but watching too many a little of... things. Amazon's been recommending to you. <laughs> I
1: guess so. Like I don't even know what's good and bad anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but um, some of the characters are interesting. Like I guess a lot of them seem like they'd be okay in Twin Peaks.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> and like, there's a lot of char- characters or in the town that are like interesting, and I don't know, like. You want to get to know more about, I guess.
0: Yeah, I think that Mm -hmm. that's honestly Mike Flanagan's biggest strength in his writing and directing is he has an incredible grasp for the fact that horror doesn't come exactly from the scenarios that you're providing. It comes from the strength of your characters and what they have to push through themselves. And when you feel a Mm -hmm. connection to those characters, you even if the horror is slight or the horror is extremely conceivable and easy to overcome you feel much more attached to them because you've gotten to know them and you like them to or most of them to a certain extent I would say you know them at the very least
1: yeah and they feel fleshed out and they feel fleshed out even though we don't get to see like you know into all of their lives I guess Uh, and you don't know like all of their backstories and whatnot they still like feel like fleshed out characters that I don't know
0: (laughs) yeah even just characters that you kind of only see in passing for a few episodes here and there you get an incredibly detailed picture of their life because they all feel like people that you know or you've talked to or you spent some time with in your own life in a way and I feel like that's kind of how all of his writing is honestly
1: yeah, and I feel like um, I feel like the show would just be sort of mediocre if we didn't have those great characters in their dialogue and just their monologues, I guess. But I don't know. It's just in- interesting. By the there end of it, it's a, just like a really interesting outcome. But anyway.
0: <laughs> it is. There was this meme that Liz posted the other day that was like comparing hill house and blind manor and this and it was like hill house look at all the scary ghosts they're gonna freak out in the middle of the night blind manor (laughs) look at this incredibly touching story that's gonna pull on your heartstrings and then um this was like hey everybody act act so much here's your emmys (laughs) yeah pretty much
3: but if- also, I like look at the other things that he's made and I'm like, damn, why hasn't he won anything? Yeah, But because <laughs> I look because other than, you know, Hill House and Bly Manor, everything is just so underrated. I would even say Dr. Sleep is underrated. Yeah. Because, you know, people don't see it as the Shining sequel. They just see it as like this random ass movie. <laughs> Another Stephen King movie. So, and I feel like Hill House and Bly Manor got so big just because they are on Netflix and they are so bingeable. Um, but also <laughs> that is such short-lived most of the time. So, I don't know. But yeah, I, when I saw that meme, I was like, uh, I watch a lot of award shows and I've never <laughs> seen <laughs> his name for any of these actors up there and you know not just from this but like other ones because even snippets of it even just like writing because with this one all by itself it's only seven episodes and i was actually kind of shocked when you told me that sam and i'm like i know what the fuck i need more already i haven't even finished it and i just want to keep watching it but like, and, like
1: um sorry um so much happens in like those seven episodes and it's so well done. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> well you made know me and well what I was saying about the
3: writing part of it is like you have to be a damn good writer to make me love and or hate all of these people in seven hours. Like with a show. Yeah. Cause there's shows on TV. You watch a whole season like Bridgington. I don't give a fuck about (laughs) any of them. Okay. Did I binge the shit out of that show? Absolutely. It was trash. It was
0: frightening how quickly (laughs) you watched that show. Actually,
2: I
3: I literally went into it. I was like, I just got to know. And then I'm like, this is fucking trash, but I watched it all, but I didn't love any of them. And like, I'm the first episode in on midnight mass. And I'm like, I need to know everything.
1: What do you guys do every day? What are you talking about? What's (laughs) going on? Like, where even is this island? We don't. I don't think it ever says like where the island actually is. It's just like an island, exact somewhere mainland,
3: mainland, and island, (laughs) and say,
1: like where
3: it is. So
1: I want to say like somewhere in New England, but I, I don't know.
0: I don't know, honestly. Somewhere like, off the coast, somewhere, somewhere off of some sort of Gulf or coast where oil. is <laughs> <Yeah.
3: go>. That's <laughs> what made me think Gulf twice because it's usually where they happen. But
2: yeah,
3: <laughs> it could be near Alaska too. I have no idea.
1: Yeah, like you <laughs> don't really know. But um, if the if the guy that plays the priest doesn't get like some sort of fucking award for his acting in the show, then I Holy give up. Shit, right? <laughs> <laughs> like He's i so love good.
3: The Crown. i love the crown i watch all that i re-watch that shit and they win all the emmys but like if this show doesn't get any nominations i would just i would lose all hope I <laughs> the like i can't even i'm not saying that the people on the crown are not good actors because they are but like they know they already know those characters. Like those characters had already been built for them. They just have to continue on. And midnight mass was, you had to build all these brand new characters and bring life to them in such a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that just, and it just it gives so much credit to the writing is really it. Like, yeah, period. I, it's all writing on it on this point. I mean, the directing was awesome too, but,
0: yeah, you know? the directing was one that like I think the first episode, I was questioning kind of everything in the show, the acting, the directing, and the writing, because it's kind of a shock how this show starts, and I don't think this is a spoiler. I think everything in episode one, I'm going to mark as not spoiler, if we can remember what was in episode one at this point, because we watched it so quickly. I don't even know. Um, but the way that it starts out is kind of a shock to the system, and there's no way that you can be prepared for how the show starts, I think. Which I think is... Oh, prison. Okay. Not even prison. No. Really?
3: I just just remembered a scene and it's
0: bringing it back. Oh, right.
3: I I was trying really hard to remember. (laughs) I'm like, oh, shit. I don't know. Okay, go.
0: (laughs) Um, Because the first scene, the very first thing you see is a crane shot that descends down onto the street and you see a wreck and a guy crying and not knowing what's going on. And the first thing you see is that this person that we're following, Riley, killed somebody in a drunk driving accident. That's the very first thing in this show. Yeah. And there's not really anything that can prepare your mind for like, okay, this is the this is where my mind has to be in order to process this. Because it's such a thing of sitting down, you're excited to watch a thing, and immediately just snap oh okay this is dark this is dim dark <laughs> grim territory
3: right yeah and
0: it's almost whiplash honestly
2: mm-hmm.
3: i went as a blank yeah. slate so i don't like i have no idea i didn't expect to start there but from where where it went and where it was going i see why it started there
1: so I don't know. Mm -hmm. And it feels like so far away from the very last episode. And it's only seven episodes. That's the crazy part about it.
0: It really, really does. Um, Yeah. It's all so grounded, though, from where it starts to where it ends. It all feels grounded. And it all still (laughs) somehow at the end still feels like reality.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um, I don't know. really want to talk about all of it. <laughs> I don't know. But so, I don't know if we should go into full spoilers. What I not, said
3: about but... what I said to Jariah when you see the like cuz it's a car wreck, right? And you know <laughs> that like dead people in movies and TV shows are like dolls, right? And they just, you know, make them dead like and I'm like imagine being the person that has to carry that fucking thing everywhere cuz <laughs> they appear multiple times and I'm like oh hell no 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 I wouldn't want to carry it I don't even want to be on the set with it like I don't even want to think about it being round they stop using it at some point and I'm just like you know it's around somewhere it's in some closet
0: waiting for you to open the door
3: <laughs> that's what that thing is doing
0: Um. um yeah so the other thing I want to say about this one scene is it gives you a lot of insight into? I'm gonna call him our protagonist, Riley. The main Can't character. Really
1: call him that? I don't know. I guess for the first, like the first half of the series, maybe he is the main character.
0: I think that that's the closest thing you get to a main main character until the priest comes in.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. I thought he was gonna be the priest. To be honest.
0: Oh, yeah, <laughs> from the
3: preview, and then it's starting off with him in the car wreck, I'm like, "Okay, so you're gonna go to jail and you're gonna become the priest. That's like when people find God and shit like that, so
1: like, <laughs> this what's gonna happen
0: um, but yeah, the whole show is extremely religiously charged
1: it is, but it doesn't feel like it's it doesn't feel like it's shoving anything down your throat. That's the thing.
0: No, and it doesn't feel like it's taking a stance one way or the other, I would say, either.
1: Yeah, it doesn't. Um, Which is, uh, I think it's really interesting, because um, it never really says, like, if religion itself or the belief itself is bad or good. And it gives you a lot of different um, perspectives, I guess, in that. It's not the religion itself that's bad, it's the people in it that make it what it is. And sometimes it can be extremely toxic, as we see with Bev, I think her name is. Yes. Um, the crazy religious lady. Or it can be just sort of, I don't know, wholesome, I guess, <laughs> um, with most of the town's people,
0: um, At least it starts that way.
1: Yeah, it starts that way. There's definitely people in it that... I don't know. <laughs> it's I find it weird that Bev has so much like power over so many people because she's that's her name, right, Beb? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I find it weird because she's she never shuts the fuck up, and she's obviously <laughs> very um, narcissistic, and she thinks she's not flawed or bad at all. At all, everybody else is. She could never be, <laughs> and it's she. She twists the, the scripture, I guess, to her own needs. And I think that's a metaphor for a lot of a lot of people in religion, honestly.
0: I think that but, with the two or the three religious characters that I would say are pro-religion in this, or their characters are pro-religion, not necessarily that it's trying to shove the religion down your throat kind of thing, is you have three very different stances. You have the priest who is very forward about it and mm-hmm. for the most part, I would say honest about his beliefs and how he feels about religion um, to mm-hmm. Riley at the very least of any of it, if of anybody he's very honest yeah. with him. And then you have the mother who I think is another surrogate for a lot of the religious views. And I think a lot of that comes in with um, from at least from how I was able to see it from my point of view as being, Raised religious and having a lot of that kind of religious pressure put on you in a religious family, mm-hmm. um, and then you know straying away from that. So I, I kind of I understood Riley's character a lot. Yeah, <laughs> um, and then having like of- that religious guilt pushed on you constantly and telling you yeah. how flawed you are, how fucked up you are because of things like that, and mm-hmm. then having Bev, who is I think when people think of negative religion, that's more or less. Yes. The picture of what you see in Beb's. She's like the
1: Westboro Baptist Church of Midnight Mass.
0: <laughs> yes. Basically. Um, um, and it's
1: so weird yeah. that so many people follow her because nobody seems to actually like her.
0: No, but she's and able to like twist her words enough to where she to always manipulate. makes herself look right.
1: Yeah, and anytime anybody like tries to like call her out on it she just keeps talking and spewing her stupid fucking bullshit uh she's the worst (laughs) my least favorite character but she works so well
0: i don't Um, know before we get into our thoughts on the show in total and give a spoiler tag warning i want to go over the general idea of the what the show is from episode one standpoint so like I said, you get that very grim, dark opening with Riley and knowing that he killed somebody in this car wreck. Um, drunk driving accident really is what it turns out to be. And he's praying during all of this. And the first responder says, I don't know if even if you, Sam, heard it or Liz, you heard it at the time because we were yes. well is like, while you're praying, why don't you ask your God why he kills all the innocent people and lets the drunk assholes get away with. The
1: oh, my God. That's like the one of the very first lines and so powerful and just yeah. like so fucking true. Uh.
0: <laughs> and that, it's, and it's it's funny because I would say in those first two minutes, you have a cemented understanding of who Riley is, what he's experiencing, and how mm-hmm. you can see his negative opinions on religion start from that one two minute scene at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. such perfect writing, honestly. It really is. Um,
3: also, you have to think of... I mean, in the medical field, we think that all the time and shit like that because you only see bad shit happen to good people and bad people doing bad shit to themselves. And so I think you just constantly see it. So I i understood the paramedic and I'm um, in my head, I'm like, he must, he has had to have been in the field for a long time to actually <laughs> say it to the person rather than yeah. just
1: think it. <laughs> but but like, that is imagine absolutely true. Just like imagine like the whole, he was like super, super drunk and he says that he like didn't really remember most of it. But then he also, I don't know if this is spoiler but he like sees um, the person that he killed yeah, that's throughout a you know, part of it. Right.
0: <laughs> in the first episode, uh, it goes over that a bit. Um, I think that's actually really good imagery because it goes back to that a lot with Riley is that's like the representation of his guilt is every night before he goes to bed. Even his first night in jail, which he pleads guilty mm-hmm. to all charges without question mm-hmm. whenever he's being sentenced and his first night in jail he just lays down quietly and you see these flashes of the red and the blue from like the cop cars on him and it does an opposite shot to what he's looking at and you see the girl just wrecked glass all in her face parts of her head missing Mm -hmm. and it already paints the picture that this is what he sees every single night before he goes to bed and it's just like the personification Mm -hmm. of all of the fucked up things that he's done
1: yeah. And it's it's very similar to um I know most people will probably point this out, but it's like similar to uh the girl in Blind Manor too. Because yeah. how that plays out. Um Yeah. <laughs> it's
0: a yeah. lot. It. Um but then you fast forward very quickly four years, you get introduced to a lot of characters very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um because he was supposed to have I think 4 to 12 years depending on behavior in prison. He got out in like four and a half, and and he's mm-hmm. on parole and that's when you learn that the place where he used to live was this tiny little fishing island with only dozens of people living there. Yeah. <laughs> and he has to go back and live with his family because he doesn't really have any other options at this point. And you get a very strange introduction to what a normal happy is and i think that's the part that maybe threw me off is because it was riley's like very dark opening and then it goes mm-hmm. to, like his younger brother being a younger brother in like a mostly happy household i would say and hanging out mm-hmm. with his friends and like going and getting high on this little beach island area and like i think that's what was off-putting for me because you're introduced to the 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 darkness part so quickly, and then you're just supposed to be like, "All right, uh, here here's a happy thing," and yeah, that was very like,
1: weird. A lot of shit happened to him. Then he has to like go back to this totally alien world now that he grew up in. But like, so much has happened that it's it's not really where he feels he belongs or anything anymore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a lot of yeah. I think a lot of that threw me off as well. That's why I sort of told you that it like is sort of weird. <laughs> you yeah. have to like watch it to tell me if I'm crazy. <laughs> but then don't like I think
0: you are, but I honestly do think that that was very purposeful.
1: I think so too actually, looking back at it.
0: But Yeah. I think in hindsight it makes a lot more sense than when you're watching it the first time.
1: Mhm. It does. Um
0: But yeah. Yeah. So you get introduced to this island and this place where Riley grew up and you get the idea very quickly in that first episode that he ran away from all of this and he Mm -hmm. never really loved the place and he never really felt like he belonged there. And Mm -hmm. even with that, he doesn't know this place anymore. It's changed from what even it used to be from when he was a kid or a teenager And it's this whole Mm -hmm. different place and it feels kind of dead and empty. Um, Almost like a ghost town, actually. Yeah. And you get introduced Um, to the mayor who is just... If you've been in a small town for more than a day or so, every mayor is just annoyingly happy and giddy about all the smallest (laughs) things because they have to be for the town. Yeah. And the sheriff who honestly feels so real as like a small town sheriff just somebody who wanders around and talks to everybody and like doesn't want to punish people because it is such a small community and if you just go around punishing everybody for every little thing they do you're just not gonna have a community (laughs) at that point right Mm -hmm.
1: well a lot of uh there's also a reason for that that comes up later on
0: Um, yes yes there is
1: (laughs) why he yeah, he doesn't even like carry a gun or anything.
0: Um but yeah, yeah, there's a I don't know. We can get into
1: it when we get into it if we do.
0: Yes. Um but yeah, you see him like letting the town drunk go, which again if you've lived in a small town, there is just kind of that one guy who's always drunk that everybody knows. Mm-hmm. Um I think maybe that's something that also hits harder for us three, because we do come from very small towns and very small communities. And mm-hmm. so um, it's kind of a lot easier to like relate to that kind of stuff, I think.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Um, Probably not that small of a community,
0: but... <laughs> not quite that small, no. <laughs>
1: um, but, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And There's so- still
1: those people, those people that everyone knows or knows of for some sort of reason or another. <laughs> and... Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so you kind of follow Riley around and trying to get acquainted with everybody back in this town and get more or less just an introduction to the strangeness that everything feels like because he doesn't feel like he belongs. And a lot of this <laughs> is conveyed in monologue. Like I said, most of the show is just monologues. So it's kind of hard to convey all the subtleties of it because there's a lot of repeating dialogue and repeating things that they've said and trying to find meaning. I think on how a lot of people find meaning in things is most people, I would say in a conversation or discussion about anything like actually deep, they may not know the answers or they may have like an idea of it, but while they're talking about it and discussing about it with somebody else, that's when they actually figure out what they think about it after they've repeated it over and over out loud. And I think that Mm -hmm. that's a lot of what Riley's character and Mike Flanagan's wife's character. What's her name? Erin Green, I think. Yeah. Um, Because she was... They had kind of shared this kinship of they never felt like they belonged and they both kind of ran away very young and tried to find their own way through the world and eventually found their way back.
1: Yeah, ended up back there.
0: Um, Erin says at one point, we both ended up back in the last place we ever thought we'd be again. And... I think that that's kind of the perfect line for like their characters. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you get the idea once because you get introduced to this priest in the town because the only thing that you know is that the priest that they had went on a mission. And this replacement priest comes out of nowhere and introduces himself and nobody knows who he is or where he's from. And this is where Liz... Came in with her Catholic knowledge because she is Catholic. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she was like, What? That wouldn't happen. Everybody knows when the new priest is coming.
3: <laughs> it's true, though. They don't move anywhere without the diocese knowing. They don't breathe without the diocese knowing. <laughs> so when they were like, I mean, I get it, it's a small town, but like, you still get a phone call or something like, Hey, so-and-so's going to join you. Or whatever it may be,
0: but. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I would say, Liz, without spoiling anything, how accurate to Catholic lifestyle is this?
3: Um, I'm pretty sure you sat through a whole mass throughout the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, just one, though, like maybe two, but for sure one. Um, small town it is different but I mean it is It he follows it very well I think he studied it unless he was Catholic then he <laughs> can't do any studying he knew all
1: that shit already
3: Flanagan but... sounds
1: Irish so maybe Irish Catholic
3: <laughs> I mean he... yeah they're yeah so I don't know but it was it was it was it. I don't think it, anything was inaccurate for things. I've never met a batshit crazy Catholic like that, though. Like Bev, I like, would say
0: that's reserved for the Baptist faith. Yeah,
3: I've definitely, for sure, at least met one crazy Baptist lady, <laughs> for sure. But I definitely, I've never met a crazy like crazy ass Catholic like that like
1: so (laughs) yeah i don't know about catholics but yeah definitely more in like the baptist side of things that (laughs) my mom for one but (laughs) but i just wanted to say um i just looked it it up and it said it said flanagan's experience um he described himself as a healthy that um he had a healthy catholic upbringing including 12 years as an altar boy and then he know. said he finally read the Bible and felt the scales fall from his eyes. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think I have that read the that whole article for that
1: <laughs> that tends yeah. to happen
0: for a lot of people once they actually start reading it.
1: Yeah, or just like experiencing life outside yeah. of the church. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people would drive people away from religion if they grew up in it. Like for me and you, and yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, at least for us, I think Liz still has a more or less healthier relationship with her religion.
1: Yeah, she's probably better. <laughs> inter- <laughs> her yes. Yes.
3: I mean, compared to you guys, it's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. It's all it's different for everybody in every single way. Not one person has the same. You know. Um, like I think- conflict with it they don't have the same love for it you know not it's no one's and I even Riley like I think people that have left can probably relate but his motives were just so much different you know, and that's what makes every single conflict, every single love with religion or not, you know, different in every single way. So I don't and I I think he hit that a lot throughout the whole series, um, as I kept noticing, um, watching it, because you just I think he hit every aspect of it's different for everybody, whether you're in it or you're out of it. Mm
0: hmm yeah I think that's true. Mm-hmm. like here's the other thing I want to say as somebody who like doesn't have a more or less positive opinion about religion from my point of view at least. Um, everything that the priest character did, I was like kind of with him like he was very convincing <laughs> i mm-hmm. I liked him a lot, even just as like a person, he was just so charming, yeah he
1: like I've said, he has an acting style of Jeff Goldblum, <laughs> like stuttery and kind of—I don't know. I don't know how to explain that. But it's very his, odd, for sure. Yeah, his his dialogue and like his
0: uh,
1: yeah, I don't know. He has just
0: Jeff Goldblum all the way. <laughs> Which I want—I want to give props to the actor by name, uh, Hamish Linklater fantastic mm-hmm. wonderful i looked him up on imdb while we've been talking about this and he has been in like a lot of things that i actually like he had a role in fargo which makes a lot of sense uh, in legion a couple mm-hmm. other shows so like high drama stuff is i think where he's most comfortable which makes sense yeah mm-hmm.
3: i think well as we start to dive into that? these characters a little bit more and we're deep into kind of what this whole midnight mass show is about I think it's time to open up those doors, <laughs> to, Keep the doors closed, to the spoilers. Well, now we have to open them. They were closed.
1: <laughs> well, I don't know if we have to in go into deep, deep of the spoilers. Show, we, need,
3: we gotta open the doors and let people in. The doors <laughs> are always open, so we are gonna Taking go heavy on the spoilers for midnight mass the show on netflix is what we're talking about right oh. now and we are gonna <laughs> hit them hard and we're gonna talk some deep shit right now um these two are definitely gonna rag on me and my catholicism can already feel it i'm ready okay <laughs> you guys
0: ready they're ready okay
3: let's get into these spoilers dry already told us about the first episode
0: yeah let's keep going so the second episode starts out in a panic and it has one of Mike Flanagan's I, or at least for me, what I think about him with his series work is he has one episode that is an extremely intricate, extremely long shot for no fucking reason. Uh, at least on first sight, it seems like no reason because in haunting of Hill house, he had this extravagant shot in that for, in that season, first season. I think it's episode five or six or something like that. And he literally built his sets to be interchangeable, so that he could have one tracking shot go from like different, completely different areas. And it was a beautiful shot. Uh, it's almost the entire <laughs> episode is like two shots is all. There's like two takes, and that's it. Um, or at least looking at it, it looks like two takes. There's a lot of hidden cuts in there, obviously. But and then he had a shorter version of that in Bly Manor. And then for this, it's the introduction of episode two, where I think he uses that one shot thing to cause panic and have this feeling of like inertia that Mm -hmm. was very much needed after that first episode, because it just starts off. I mean, episode one ends in a giant storm. They've all been preparing for the storm that's going to hit the island. And Mm -hmm. it does. And the next day, everybody wakes up and there's. Hundreds of dead cats on the beach. Just hundreds and hundreds of the fuckers. Yeah. Because it was also brought up in the first episode that, like, there's just a bunch of stray cats. Somebody brought a couple cats to the island at one point and they just all started fucking. And there's just tons of cats yeah. everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's weird.
1: It's, so weird. it's so a weird.
0: So, yeah, scene, episode two. But it never huffing. really
1: goes back to your mentions again.
0: <laughs> no, no. I think it it's all just a setup for that honestly for that for setup, the
1: cat thing yeah
0: <laughs> and to yeah. throw some more mysteries into your face about what's going on which again makes a lot of sense once you finish the show it all makes so much sense
2: mm-hmm.
0: but hundreds of cats they all have like one bite taken out of their neck and they're just done they're dead and everybody's panicking everybody runs to the beach because fucking how many times in your life are you gonna see hundreds of cats running across a beach twice maybe i mean come on and yeah and it also goes into um apparently there was an oil spill at some
1: point and there's this whole big thing and yeah
0: <laughs> made it very difficult for so. the fishermen who which the island is mostly made up of fishermen from what we gather throughout the whole show make them very mm-hmm. hard to fish for a while and it was this whole down spiral into poverty for everybody yeah.
1: And I think that was part of the reason why the island wasn't thriving, I guess, anymore.
0: Yeah. Although maybe a it lot never of people really took
1: Yeah, a lot of people took like um fucking what would you what do you call that?
0: Uh <laughs> fucking deal from the oil companies, basically. Plea bargains,
1: is that what you call it? Not Settlement.
0: Bargain. Settlement.
1: Settlement. Yeah, thank you.
0: Settlement from well, oil companies f- that had spilt the oil around the coast. Yeah. Um, which uh, another great thing that I think is very telling of characters is Bev is the person who convinces everybody to take the deal. You learn from a couple pieces of dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> Which she seemed to gain quite a bit more out of that than everybody else.
1: Yes. Um, Cause it does go into like the financial sort of things. Cause there's like this whole new like rec room, like for the church that they built. And it was, sort of, um, nudged i guess that it was used more as like a funnel for her money laundering or whatever yeah basically (laughs) it never like states it like you know it never tells you for
0: sure and it lets you decide what you think about her based on her character Based on her character, mm, I, I would say she definitely funneled so much money through that church.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> so much. Like, <laughs> oh, she's the worst. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, but yeah, this I think it's like a 10-minute tracking shot with no cuts in this first scene of just everybody getting together to talk. Every character gets to interact in this part, which I think is mm-hmm. really great and special about it because in a lot of shows like these, some characters never talk to each other even once, and I think that that ends up being the case for a lot of what happens because characters are just so separated they have a lot of different things going on following different parts Mm -hmm. of the plot and so I think this is a really good part to get characters interacting who normally wouldn't be interacting on this island in this one part and you get this tracking shot and it just circles everybody as they talk about what's happening and how to fix the problem and it starts giving you this feeling of like Ha- ha- haptic? Not haptic. Hectic. That's the word. <laughs> it gives you this extremely hectic feeling. Like you don't know what's going on. And nothing's like stopping. Everything has to keep going and going and there's no slowing down. And I think that was a much needed push, especially after that first episode, because it starts throwing actual huge mysteries at you at this point. And from this point on, mm-hmm. I think it doesn't stop throwing big things at you any uh, at any point. I think every. 20 minutes is a new huge thing that it throws in your face. Yeah. It, it never
1: really seems to like, um, I guess get stagnant or boring. I don't feel like there's any part in it where I was like bored. <laughs> and It kept me guessing. And even when I wasn't guessing anymore about things, I was like, okay, still am interested. And I still like want to see what happens and where these characters go. Because like, I, Most shows that I watch I really fall off so easily if it like becomes the least bit boring or (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. There's so many shows that I just don't finish because of that.
0: I mean honestly there's so much entertainment out nowadays. It's there's no reason. If you don't like something, there's no reason to keep watching it. You're not there's no you're not forced to do it, so why do it?
1: Yeah and I think actually I really really like that it was only seven episodes. Um it it used that short amount of time super super well and everything felt like it it was actually thought out and <laughs> which is like a contrast from like something like American horror story where it feels like they sort of write it on the go. While they're filming. (laughs) Because there's just so many stupid fucking things that happen.
0: Yeah, actually. It just goes off the rails. uh, With, again, we're in huge spoilers for this. So I'm going to compare it to something here. Huge spoilers. Um, This show and the newest season of American Horror Story are both vampire based. Okay. Um. And it was very, like, there were six episodes for the American Horror Story that they did for that because they were doing, like, a a double feature thing, which two Mm -hmm. different stories in the same season. Yeah. And so they had six episodes for this vampire thing and how they handle that. And throughout this entire thing of watching Midnight Mass, I was like, man, I feel like American Horror Story literally just tried to do this. But they just didn't have the plan or the talent or the time or something. Like they just didn't know their make, beginning yeah. new, end.
1: Exactly. And I felt like this absolutely knew it. Like everything was intentional. Yes. And you just don't, oh, yeah. Again, like the time, the little bit of time was actually used so well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, also I th- I think that that shows to like why it's seven episodes cuz that's a weird number of episodes, right? And I think that that goes mm-hmm. into showing like he had an exact amount of everything that he wanted. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> he knew every single plotline he wanted, he knew every conversation, he knew how every scene was going to play out and like mm-hmm. he's like I guess it just happens to be seven episodes. Oh well.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like it all felt exactly where it needed to be. There's not a single thing in this show and it's so rare to be able to say this, there's not a single thing in this show that I think I would change.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess one thing, maybe. Um, so, like, in the first few episodes, we're introduced to the characters, and there's um, bad, bad old age makeup. And you can <laughs> tell... Well, at first, I wasn't, like, sure if this was going to, like, play into it at any point, because, you know... Um, <laughs> like, why would she use just bad old age makeup if you're not going to like make them age back or something like that you know because of course they want to use like the same actors and stuff like that and which turns out they did like there was like a healing and de-aging sort of um, thing (laughs)
0: so I actually have a question for Liz here because we both know these actors we've seen them in a lot of things maybe Liz hasn't Mm -hmm. seen them in so much though did you realize that they were they had a bunch of de aging makeup on?
3: Do you just mean old, old age makeup? makeup? Yeah, <laughs> old age.
0: Yeah. Sorry, like, <laughs> I don't
3: know what de aging makeup is, but <laughs> I want it, and I think we could make a whole lot of money off that <laughs> shit. Um, the only one I noticed was the mom, the yeah, like, the doctor's mom. I'm like, her
1: mm-hmm. face looks fucked up, like. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't look natural. Yeah, it was
3: like (laughs) it was like sagging, but like not natural. Like they just stuck something on her face and then put Mm -hmm. like prosthetic over it, and then wrinkled it out. And hers, I really noticed, and I really wasn't noticing the other people until later, Mm -hmm. and so I I wasn't noticing it. But I also because of the history of this director and what you have told me about his other netflix shows i'm like i'm looking at everything paying attention <laughs> to the background to that door to that table to that chair to a point where i didn't notice things as i should have <laughs> because as i get as we get into like the third episode Or No, actually, even just the second episode, right away with the finger or whatever, when she pricks her finger.
0: Oh, yeah. She's like quilting or something.
3: Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, whatever the fuck. She like, she poked her finger, whatever. I don't get it. And like, I don't even notice that that's when she can see, like... it's this whole like five minute thing of her like going up and down with her glasses looking at this piece of blood on her finger and I'm like looking in the background I'm like okay where is it like what's gonna happen I'm not I'm just like it happens lady move on you poked your finger okay like we get it let's keep going what's happening and then like I didn't notice those little things until the dad I think with his back and that's when mm-hmm. and and then of course when Jurah and I talk about it after each episode and he like says all this shit and I'm like mm-hmm. that's and when we were talking about it, I'm like, yeah, I'm not paying attention to the right stuff.
1: <laughs> well, I don't think there's yeah. any li- like in Bly Manor and um Haunting of Hill House, there was a lot of background stuff and like hidden mm-hmm. ghosts and whatnot, but I don't think there's anything like that in this one. Oh, I could tell you there's I not. <laughs> yeah.
2: Okay. <laughs>
1: well, I can tell you.
3: For a fact, (laughs) there is not, it's all, it's all put in front of you, which again, I think now, like looking back at it is very purposeful Yeah. because, um, that's exactly how religion is. Everything is set out on the table and either you take it as it is or you don't, um, or you take it how that person wants you to take it or you don't kind of thing. So I don't know. Yeah. I didn't notice the them being older, just the just the mom. I it was yeah, I think
1: the I think the one that stood out the most was the mom. I don't know. I didn't really notice much with the other people. I mean it was a bit odd, but um yeah. So I think the first episode with that and some of like the <laughs> weird sort of acting, like the weird acting from like, um, I guess Riley's mom.
0: Yeah. And
1: um, Eliza's parents as well. Um, they seem very much like Twin Peaks characters. <laughs> <laughs> so that was like a bit distracting, but like not super in a bad way. It was just sort of off-putting. Because it felt so, I don't know, weird in this. <laughs> show, I guess
0: it 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 did feel a little weird. I think, but yeah, I think I ended up de- I ended up getting a lot of hints about like what I thought this show was going to end up plot wise because <laughs> of the aging stuff, like you're saying. Um, yeah, because I, I have seen a lot of these actors and other Mike Flanagan stuff, and like some of the other actors, like the the mayor, like Lisa's um, dad. I know for a fact that that actor, it does not have gray hair at all. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah. something is going to be going on with aging. Cause there's, why would mm-hmm. Mike Flanagan just give this guy fake gray hair? There's no reason for that.
1: Exactly. <laughs> so um, that was a bit distracting for the first and like second episode, but then I was like, okay, things are happening. There's going to be things happening. We'll yeah. see.
0: <laughs> um, but I forget the exact, I- Details of everything that happens in episode two.
1: Me too, actually. There's the cats and the dog. The dog? Oh, yeah, died. the dog. Did we ever figure out exact- exactly oh, yeah. what happened there? Bev? I think well, you know. Bev? You, knew. you think it was Bev for sure? It was, yeah,
3: it was your mom.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's this very oh, lovable sure. drunk character I in lo- the show. What is his
3: name? His actor, like his real life
1: (laughs) His actor name. (laughs) I I
3: honestly, I loved him.
1: Well, okay. I really loved him. I thought he felt very one-dimensional until that scene in the trailer where, um, okay, so here's the backstory on this. Well, drunk people are, though. Drunk people are just drunk. (laughs) That's all they are. (laughs) Yeah. That's all they are. But there's also an underlying reason why, and I feel like it's... Oh, yeah. It was a powerful scene. But basically, um, the girl, the little girl, not little, I guess she's a teenager, <laughs> but she's in a wheelchair. And it's because um, her and her dad were walking at one point and this guy was like hunting um, and he shoots, ends up shooting her and like ends up shooting her in her spinal regions. <laughs> I don't know, words. But um, she becomes paralyzed from the waist down. And now she's, like, um, wheelchair-bound because of this. Um, And eventually, because, you know, the whole... Everybody is healing and, like, there's miraculous stuff going on. um, She does actually start walking again. Um, And there's this great, great scene where she actually confronts him in his trailer, and it's really powerful, and the acting on his end is just, he's so, uh, I don't know, Her her part in that scene was fucking fantastic, and him too, it was just, I don't know, you'd have to watch it, I guess, but.
0: I feel like in that scene, what's so, <laughs> great about it is because from her character's point of view whenever anybody's done you wrong in life at least for me like you go over it in your head you play it over and over and you're like this is what I would say if I were here like yeah that's yeah yeah, you kind of hit me in the arm and you motherfucker and like you always have like somebody's like done you real wrong you have this whole spiel in your head about like what you would say in the perfect time that would make them like feel Mm -hmm. the way you feel and I think everybody feels that at some point or has that kind of dialogue in their head um, and so she's getting that. And so you're getting kind of this huge thing coming out of her. And she is acting her fucking heart out. And it's really good, honestly. But the Joe Colley character, uh, whose actor's name is Robert Longstreet. Um, he, I think, carries the scene without ever really saying all that much. Yeah. Because you can feel his pain and his regret just in his eyes. And I feel like that is so. How do you even do that? Like, how do you fake (laughs) that kind of like pain in your eyes, on your face? Like, I don't even know how you do that. I don't know, man. Maybe he's had like some sort of
1: history with shit, but. Oh. I don't know. Maybe he's just a really, really good actor.
0: Yeah. Really good. And he was in Doctor Strange. He was part of like that. Whole little group of monsters in Doctor Strange. Yeah, Doctor Sleep.
1: I remember Doctor
0: Sleep. Sorry, Doctor my bad. Doctor Sleep. It <laughs> was
1: like Doctor Strange. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, he was yeah. good
3: though. He was he's a short lived character, and I love. I really did love him. So yeah, he yeah, definitely.
1: He, <laughs> he started like he he became a more of a two dimensional sort of character after that scene for me. And then it was really disappointing. Um <laughs> but I don't know if I even want to go into that.
0: I I, I know we said we're in super was...
1: spoiler territory
0: now, but even so I don't ever feel like he was a two dimensional character, honestly. I felt like I don't know. I felt like he was the care I mean, I I feel like I've met people like that in my life that like always feel attached like they're being shit on like everybody around them is always judging them because I mean to a certain extent from their life choices and what they've dealt with in their life people are that's kind of how people are they just kind of do that (laughs) but like I always felt like he was growing as a character especially after that scene I think actually
1: he absolutely was and you could really feel that and (laughs) yeah
0: because even though he is this character that Nobody really has compassion for. Even though he doesn't really like anybody. Because nobody likes him. I always feel like he always had compassion for everybody else. And he never wanted to hurt anybody else. Like He never wanted pain for anybody else. He just wasn't sure mm-hmm. how to deal with the pain. He always felt inside of himself. Which is why he was an alcoholic. He was the, He's the town alcoholic. That I had mentioned before.
1: Yeah. And because of all the guilt. And stuff from what he did. Um, I don't think he felt he had a say in anything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, But hey, we'll get to see that actor do some more acting again very soon because he is a character in Halloween Kills, which comes out in October. Uh, I guess now it's October. So now it comes out in (laughs) a couple weeks, I think. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Um, But yeah, I want to say after we're introduced to the Priest character, I think is when the show Finds its real protagonist, because I would say Riley is almost a false protagonist, honestly. Yeah. And the priest character.
1: Go ahead. I would would say that there's not any one protagonist, though. I feel like everybody has their own paths and stories. I feel like Erin Green, she's a protagonist, sort of. I feel like the sheriff he has his own thing going on as well. Um, I don't know. I feel like those three characters are probably the ones that stand out the most to me as, like, I guess, main characters, even though I don't even feel like there's a main character in this. Um, But, yeah. (laughs) The priest is definitely a really big part of it, though, because he's, like, at the center of everything.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned the sheriff. Um, I want to say, I absolutely love this actor. I've only seen him in two Mm -hmm. things now and it was this and then he played a huge role in Bly Manor and he was my favorite character in both of them I think (laughs) (laughs) he's just absolutely wonderful to watch I think
3: I loved him before you loved him (laughs) okay (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) he's an eye zombie zombie uh, is he? He's the scientist.
0: Oh, is he really? Yeah, I watched it. Oh, that's funny.
3: Mm-hmm. Huh. <laughs> and I loved him in that. That's why I say that.
0: From *I zombie to midnight mass. <laughs> Quite the career. <laughs> cool.
1: I think like a lot of these actors are super, super familiar. And I know a lot of it is from, you know, Bly Manor and um, Haunting of Hill House. But I feel like I... They're super recognizable, and I don't really know exactly where I've seen all of them.
0: I don't know. They they, they all are kind of in that same circle of horror genre that Mike mm-hmm. Flanagan kind of rolls around in. I think a lot of them you would see in like Mike Flanagan projects, honestly, because he reuses a lot of his actors and actresses. Yeah, like his wife. <laughs> his wife? Yeah, he, he has a whole movie just starring her, and she doesn't yeah, even talk in it. It's called Hush. Yeah. <laughs> it's also a really good movie. It's on Netflix. It's extremely good. Yeah, you should check that Okay.
1: I have to watch it
0: because I like her as an actress too. I think she's really good. She's great. Gerald's game is great. Just anything Mike Flanagan has done mm-hmm. has touched it all, I think is maybe some of the best horror that's come out in film in a very long time.
2: I agree,
1: actually.
0: I um, think
3: he also portrays what I want horror to be is evolving. Instead of, mm-hmm. you know, evolve for a little bit, get stuck in that genre for 20 years or so. And then you wait for the next new person to come along to change it. And then everybody mimics that for 20 more years. And with him, he it constantly, it's evolved every step of the way. I think he's become a greater actor. Sorry, a greater writer from every single one moving forward, but I think he's probably what I want. I want horror to be more than what it what it is now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I think definitely there's two a, very
0: different, like, like, or three strands of horror. I would say, even I would say there's kind of the like things current? that Mike, Flan- yeah, like current horror. I would say there's like the things that Mike mm-hmm. Flanagan is doing, which I I honestly think is a tear on his own. He's had his own fucking. Level. Yeah, and then there's the normal Hollywood stuff that they push out, which is like crappy slashers and stuff like that. Um, which he, I think, even went in. I'm going to gush about Mike Flanagan. Um, Ouija. You're or- married. <laughs> Listen, if Mike Flanagan <laughs> comes in here right now and he's like, "Drya." I need a handjob oh to save gosh. the world. I'm gonna I can't I have to save the world, Liz. I'm sorry, Bye. I have to save the world.
2: No. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> died.
1: That would be <laughs> Is that what all sexual predators say to their victims? I need a handjob right now to save the world. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I
0: think, I think like all okay, sexual predators are basically a doc from Back to the Future. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Um, But yeah, Mike Flanagan Uh, well, well, before that actually Hollywood put out Ouija, which is a game Hasbro game And they made a movie Ouija off boards, of yeah. Ouija boards And that original <laughs> movie is pretty garbage Basically by the numbers, horrific That would have come out at the time mm-hmm. But then Mike Flanagan uh, Saw something in that material, I guess Because <laughs> He was hired to do a prequel to Ouija. And it was Ouija Origin of Evil. Or Ouija, if you want to say it that way. Mm-hmm. And it is miles and miles ahead of of that. <laughs> of of the original material, I think. <laughs> It actually okay. made me want to go and buy the original movie because of how good the prequel is. Ouija. 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 Whatever you want uh-huh. to say. But anyway, back to Black Mass or Midnight Mass. I keep wanting to call it Black Mass. I know. It's well, I want to say you? something. Okay. I think um,
1: we are in an interesting era for horror because I feel like there's a lot of interesting, like. Atmospheric horror coming out and just really drama based I guess, um we see it with like midsummer and hereditary the witch um and the new movie like is coming out, lamb, which looks really fucking weird and which definitely story? going to be like dramatic, I don't know, I don't know actually what to expect from that, but I gotta watch it <laughs> have to yeah yeah, but it looks really bizarre, like another weird like. I don't know. Icelandic. They're all they're all mind fucks
3: of it. So now we're in that again. It's gonna stick around for however many years, like horror does. Yeah, it's good the first couple of times, but if you also have to innovate to keep people. So I don't know. I think I just, well, I think I'm can... a person that doesn't mind change.
1: So, cause I get, well, I think bored. you can, um, I think you can stick to the same like general genre, but still be innovative. And I think a lot of people right now are showing that there's a lot of interesting horror movies coming out now. Some good, some great, some they hit, the, they don't hit the mark. I should say they miss the mark. Um, and they try to be like, you know, hereditary and shit like that, but you know, can't really do that. yeah Ari Aster
0: a... is another great voice in horror, and I think yeah. because of how toxic horror genre is, like the fans of it, I think he's kind of wanting out of the horror genre. I think he's sort of bored. <laughs> Which is with so...
1: it so—it's sad because he's just so good.
0: He's a really good. He's a really good director. I'm—I whatever he does next, I'm happy to watch.
1: But see exactly, like,
3: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> It's like being a actor in Star Wars. Like the fans are so brutal and mean and want you to stay exactly the same in your bubble and not move. That's how I feel. But there's gonna be. I mean, that's how I feel about rom coms. That's how I feel about horror. But like. Well, yeah, and like okay but like this is still the same shit over and over and like you can talk shit about my rom-coms and it being the same thing but like I can say the same thing about your horror movies because it's mm-hmm. the same so I really that's why I like Mike
1: <laughs> Questionable. Like,
3: that's why I like him he has he's he's in this horror genre and he has changed everything he's put out it has changed each time yeah he's not going to become tim burton where everything is you know
1: well except he will use is that it. one actress his wife and everything <laughs> well,
3: <of laughs> but course. if you have good actors just like tarantino if you have good actors that can fill so I mean, many character shoes it doesn't Johnny matter Depp is a good actor
1: one. helena Bonner, bonham carter she's a good actress but <laughs> that they play the <laughs> they also though. kind of play the same characters over and over
2: again.
3: That's what I'm saying. Yeah. If that's the Tim Burton thing, you can keep the same people, but if they keep playing the same shit, it's boring. And if you have a good writer, good act or good director, and you keep the same cast, someone that can actually act and make and build characters on their own, it doesn't matter that they're the same face. You know, that's what makeup's there for. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I really like it. But going back to Midnight Mass with the sheriff we laid off, he's, the, he's new to the island. Mm-hmm. Um, people don't like change, but he's the newest to the island. And he is a person that doesn't go to St. Patrick's Church, but is still he's Muslim. Religious.
1: He's not a Christian.
3: Um, right. That's what I was getting at. So he <laughs> doesn't go to this church. He is... There's a lot of people on this island that just aren't religious at all.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So from what it seems like, St. Patrick's is the only church there.
2: Yeah.
3: So there's yeah. people that aren't religious. There's people that go to St. Patrick's. And then there's this soul person, this new sheriff that has his own religion by himself with his son. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I think the thing that helped build these characters are the most boring things on earth. And those are PTA meetings.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say the same thing actually. <laughs> the
3: PTA meeting is what brought out everyone's character and you got to kind of see them a little bit more for who they are and what mm-hmm. they're going to bring to it all.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause you get to see the mayor character and his wife. Um, <laughs> and a couple of side characters that you see along the way, but how they react to how Bev is talking to him, because you learn that Bev was starting to teach the Bible, the Catholic Bible, in he, the church, in the or in school, school. I mean. in public and, school. Yes, yeah, in public school, and mo- nobody seems to have anything negative to say about it, except for him because he's not Catholic, and so well, he also the Aaron point and she
1: actually, Aaron actually goes to the church, and she is like. Uh, Catholic or whatever Christian, and she even agrees that, like, um, this is a public school, <laughs> you shouldn't be teaching that here. But I feel like yeah. she's like a lot more grounded in her beliefs,
0: yeah. She is more grounded, she is more grounded. Um, but I like, I think what's the most interesting part about it is that he, the sheriff, tries to go in there and reason with Bev and like. Hey, it's mm-hmm. like, I'm not saying that I don't want him to learn these things. Hell, I went out there when I was a kid and I started learning about all these different religions. Like I, I yeah. explored everything. I tried to find God where I could find God. And this is where I ultimately found him was in this. I'm not afraid mm-hmm. of my son going out and finding God. I want him to find God. But I don't think this setting in a public school that's not supposed to have anything to do with religion is the right place for it. Mm-hmm. Like if I were to come here and start teaching Muslim beliefs to all of the other children you would have a problem with that, right? Yes. And then that's when she starts to not let anybody else talk. And she starts Which interrupting everybody.
1: Which is what she everybody. does. That's what she does when she feels confronted, even the, like the little bits. She like pulls out her fucking bullshit. And, like force feeds it to everybody. She doesn't let anybody else talk. Oh, she's the
0: worst. Yeah, she just immediately starts quoting all of the scripture. And trying yes, to be like see and, the scripture here exists, so I must and, be right. And
1: <laughs> only one that those particular scriptures like suit her narrative, I guess. Yeah. Which is what we see a lot yeah. <laughs> like in real life too, sadly.
0: But Yeah, and you see it throughout her character throughout the rest of the show, is she'll continue to keep trying to use scripture to justify all of her actions.
1: Yes. See that's why
3: that's why she reminds me so much more of a baptist totally agree. person yeah because
1: like absolutely
3: catholicism we read the same readings every year like there's a calendar okay <laughs> it tells you what to read when to read it. um and each obviously whichever priest you get you get um the story out a little bit differently but it's all in the same meaning but with You know, other variations of Christianity, specifically baptism, where you just read the Bible and you're like, this is what it means. And because this is what I say it means. (laughs) And so she just didn't remind me of anyone I have ever met.
0: Yeah, I think that that (laughs) that's something that I thought was really funny. In the Catholic Church, sorry.
3: I've definitely met one of her. Yeah.
0: I (laughs) think that was something (laughs) that was like us getting married and like going through a lot of like Catholic classes and stuff like that Catholic school classes for getting married and stuff of just like how uh, regulated everything is in the Catholic church in the sermons, because growing up, that was definitely not the thing that we got from the Baptist church. Uh, It was always like, Hey, like the pastor needs this day and this day because he has to write his sermon out. Like he's, he almost is like writing a speech every single week, essentially, Mm -hmm. and justifying it through scripture. So like, yeah, the mm-hmm. I totally agree with you one hundred percent. The Bev character is like Baptist through and through.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: And why and and more so I was like kinda getting that vibe too towards the end when she becomes more vocal about things
2: mm-hmm.
3: where it kind of flips. It's not even I think it's like episode five where Bev starts, you know, citing scripture to the priest and he, yeah listening to her and i'm like that's not how it works like <laughs> not that priests don't learn right but like it's exactly what you said like baptist people i'm going to write the speech and i'm going to relate it to the bible and it's going to make sense whereas catholicism is like here is the bible how do i make it make sense to people yeah you know and mm-hmm. so yeah it's just I think that was the, probably the only thing that wasn't... I had never seen.
1: And even in the end, when, like... I don't know. I just... I I gotta say, I don't feel completely satisfied with how they entered her character. <laughs> I really wish somebody would have, like, given her some I don't some know. I was pretty fucking shit. delighted. I, I mean, it was nice really to see it. it. It was nice to see it because she went out like a fucking coward. Um, but... I also wish more people would have spoken up. I know it may have not mattered because she would fucking twist shit around anyway. But yeah, I well, know. I think that people didn't even think the like right her, so. people.
3: I think the right people spoke up. I think they did it at the right time. And sometimes it wasn't even them talking. It was just them mm-hmm. doing something. And so you just kind of have yeah. to get them at the point where it's just you know the end and when you start you know making your word kind of go into the bible like she was and when she started like at the very end reading or quoting revelations and like how everything comes down i'm like but not by you like this shit (laughs) didn't start because of
1: you (laughs) yeah she's very like narcissistic and like (laughs) narcissistic narcissistic and child and She has like this self-righteousness that is the worst kind of fucking religious, which Aaron also points out (laughs) at some point. um, Like people definitely talk about how much she's awful, but
0: yeah. Yeah. Everybody, every character in there agrees like she's awful, but like she's not actually doing anything technically wrong. I just don't like her. It's kind of everybody's point of view at it. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah, and I guess the worst. I guess thinking about the ending, which I'm just gonna <laughs> say it. Um, Big but um, everybody else sort of accepts accepts their fate, but they're together, and she just dies like alone, a coward on the beach. <laughs> so maybe she did get what she deserved.
0: Hypothetically and literally still digging her head into the sand. Yes, exactly.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, actually, now that I think about it, that's a pretty good ending for her. <laughs> yeah. I think it was great. It was exactly what...
0: Seeing her like not accept her fate and start digging into the sand made me smile. Which is maybe an yeah. awful thing to say, but it did.
3: <laughs> because you, like, you can't control it. I don't know. It's just like you can only... Do so many things, but I at some point in this whole thing because of my background, and when the priest wasn't like also batshit <laughs> at some point before he got like a little crazy there, and you know I'm like shit I would do this too like if you spin it right <laughs> and you're like man I don't know maybe it's just sounding like it's an angel like I don't know.
0: it's <laughs> yeah, I
3: definitely the think There was the literally at the...
0: like episode six, Liz is still like, but like what are they gonna do with the angel? And like, Liz, it's it's not it's not an angel. Liz. I'm
3: like, they sp- <laughs> you think they speak English, Latin? they're true Catholics, they speak Latin. Like, we can just talk to this thing. Like I'm over here bargaining, like, it's real, like <laughs> believing this shit and then and then Jerry was like, "No, no, I don't think they, I don't think they speak anything." And I'm like, "Like angels?" And he's like, "No, Liz." I'm like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm back. <laughs> I got it. I don't think <laughs> the Kool Aid. It's okay." So, so I don't know, but, but it is because you know it is that type of this is what I'm gonna say and this is how I'm gonna relate it back and it's I'm gonna make it believable, which which is why I think Catholicism is probably. One of the hardest religions to accept because we don't, like, we read out of the Bible, but we don't read out of the Bible and then, like, directly interchange it the way people, you know, want to, to build a story on from a story. Yeah.
0: Which, Mm -hmm. I want to say, the show, I was iffy on the show. Like, I was back and forth on whether or not I was liking it. Until the first AA meeting with Riley and the priest. Yeah. (laughs) That first AA meeting made me say like, okay, I love this show. Because Mm -hmm. the way that the camera work goes along with what they're speaking with, everything feels like when when Riley's speaking about religion, and his views on it. There's all this mm-hmm. negative space. I would say 80% of the screen is just negative space. There's nothing happening there. And Riley is mm-hmm. so small and insignificant in this entire frame while he's talking about God. And I just thought it was so perfect. <laughs> mm-hmm. I also liked how he
1: sort of brought up the non-religious versions of like um, AA I guess. Because like, like I've never been to AA never felt the need to. But I've there is this one thing about AA in which most of it is very religion-based and I think it can lead people down the wrong path. It's not for everybody. It's not for everybody, but like it's mostly like
0: most of what you're going to find
1: is like religion-based AA. And there's a reason for that. It was like, just like if you look at the whole history of that program, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's not, AA is not like a one size fits all thing. And that's sort of what it tries to be a lot of the time. And yeah, especially if you're not religious, you're not going to find any sort of solace or anything in that. I don't
3: think that's necessarily true. Cause there are a lot of non-religious based AA's I think in small towns, yeah, they probably are if they don't have resources because that is the only resource. And those are usually, you know, help others type of scenarios. So they are more religious based. But in big cities here and just, you know, having a background to it, they're not. Like, I had a friend that went to rehab and I literally asked them, I'm like, so you like jesus now or (laughs) or what and they're like no like they don't push that on you you don't like you can do it if you want to it or you don't have to like and they help you find the right therapist they help you find you know the right meetings that makes it fit your Mm -hmm. needs because why would they make you go to you know places that's not so it makes you it helps you find it um And so, but I do think like in small towns, and it's it's a perfect example, right? The one, Mm -hmm. the AA meeting he went to on the mainland, was it religious? No. But the mom talked to the priest and he's like, hey, so you don't have to travel so far. We can build a chapter Mm -hmm. here, which is exactly who does it. So in small towns, yes, I can see that. But it's not Mm -hmm. like that everywhere.
1: They're not. No, but I still think it's a, um, I still think it's a problem. (laughs) but anyway that's just my hatred of religion in general anyway so i'll fucking complain about it all the time (laughs) anyway um i did want to go back to the priest though um just his his character and i guess his morality because i feel like throughout the whole thing i feel like he has a lot of good intentions and he feels like he's been given this gift but he doesn't always make the best choices um but I still feel like he's uh, he's not evil.
0: No, Even I never get the feeling that bad he's purposely things. Yeah, I never get the 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 feeling that he's like purposely trying to hurt anybody. In fact, he goes out of his way to keep telling people like I don't want to hurt anybody,
1: uh, yeah. and I believe
0: him. I believe I believe that's that's something that I think is really important to say about the priest character. Paul is mm-hmm. I 100% believe him when he starts like. Saying everything basically, like he doesn't want to hurt people. Like he fully believes that everything he's doing is the right thing,
1: mm-hmm. until
0: until he doesn't. Until he doesn't. And believe not like, that.
1: and not like in a bev way where she thinks everything she does is like the best thing.
0: <laughs> right.
1: And like he thinks she can he's literally wrong.
0: But. He thinks he's literally just trying to help people in the way that he knows how to. Yeah.
1: He's using like this, I guess, gift if you want to call it that, to help the people that he cares about the most, and even the people that it's like a interesting contrast because he's compassionate towards people that are not even part of the church or that have the same belief system. Whereas Bev, she's like the complete opposite. She's like, if you don't believe this then well, you don't even deserve life. You don't deserve to be here. Um, (laughs) And it's really, yeah, it makes me hear more.
3: (laughs) Well, that's a, that's what it is it's though interesting like, you're contrast, not supposed to be mean to other people so that's exactly. like and she, didn't, she didn't remind me of a Catholic she reminded me of a Baptist because of it <laughs> too but I was going to say something I forgot ah, I'll come
0: back but, yeah I think that's the most important thing to take away with the priest character is that he's believable in everything that he's saying and I I never actively distrusted his character at any point, even once I know he's like started to uh, things that are questionable. I still didn't distrust him.
3: I remembered. So it was off of what you were saying because I told you, I turned to you and I'm like, okay, if a miracle was happening, like if he thought truly he would contact the Vatican And, you know, (laughs) start researching this stuff. And it's not until later you find out why he actually did things. And I'm like, okay, I get it now. Yeah. But I was like, you know, like, no, if you actually thought this is a miracle and it was happening literally to you, you would contact somebody. Because the church, specifically the Catholic church, has... You don't even know how many levels to prove that something is, you know, miraculous or even to prove that something is demonic. There's just so many levels to it. And I just I couldn't believe that somebody that believed in it so much wasn't like, hey, we need to check something out of what's (laughs) happening and my, you know, everything that's happened to me. I was just that always threw me off until the
1: end. And I'm like, "Okay, I get it.
3: I get it. That's the thing.
1: I don't know if it really mattered to him if it was quote-unquote demonic because it was helping people. No, he didn't think it was demonic. He he thought
3: it was miraculous. He thought it was a miracle. I was just saying, like, the Catholic Church has both. Like, there's paths for
1: both ones, for both ways. Well, even if it was, even if he did think it was, like, demonic, like, why is it so bad? (laughs) I don't know. Like, maybe that's just me, though. I don't really I know sure how saying that, but <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um
3: but it makes sense at the end. And also why I really liked her speech at the end. Which person? Um greens. Aaron. Aaron green. Yeah. Aaron green. mm. They always call her greens. So. Yeah. Um that's why I really liked her speech at the end. Cause it takes the self out of it. It's taking yourself out out of the whole scenario, Um, which is why bad things happen, which is why it makes sense why the priest did what he did. It makes sense why he didn't call who he should have called. And everyone else, you know, doing things for themselves, um, except maybe the only ones maybe were um, Riley's parents. I think they were, I feel like the only ones that were in it for their kids. Um and it shows it at the end too. Cause at the end the quiet couple turns to be the leader for all of these people that needed a leader at the end. So I don't know. Plus also like you know, when the ones that when it it the ones that it didn't happen to them died i was like god please die first like i want you all to die first just so you don't have to see everything (laughs) happen and they did (laughs) really happy but i was just like if anything you deserve to not watch other people suffer in the end at least
0: (laughs) yeah um i don't want to super spoil the ending to like exactly what happens but the one thing I will say, one thing I I guess I want to discuss because we're getting up to the two hour mark here before we get there. We obviously won't be mm-hmm. able to discuss this whole the whole series, which is fine. I think everybody should go and watch it for themselves. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, Going back to Chekhov's gun. uh, mm-hmm. Or in this case, I guess you would call it Chekhov's poison. <laughs> it's it keeps it keeps being brought up over and over and over again, even from episode one. That in the supply for the entire town is all this poison, and the person who has the easiest access to this poison is Bev. Dun dun. Mm-hmm. The person who is considers herself, at the very least, to be the most righteous of everybody, and you get to see that she's very hateful towards the uh, Collie, Bill Collie's dog. And the very because she claims that it bites at her.
3: yeah, it snaps at her mm-hmm.
0: snaps at her. And so it builds up that that hatred of her or that like underlying seething hatred that she carries for everybody doesn't herself, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it plants into your head that she used the poison to kill the dog in episode two, I believe it was, right? Um, I think so. Because the way that the dog throws up and you get and you learn from an autopsy later on from the sheriff, like, yeah, we learned that the dog ate the poison. Uh, Sorry, Collie, we can't actually accuse her of this thing because there's no proof that she did this on purpose. And he's like, I believe you Mm -hmm. and I'm with you. I don't like her either, but I can't say this was her without any doubts at all. So I can't do anything.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And this leads me to my biggest thing of I don't understand exactly why this happened but i know this is what had to have happened i'm going to say a bunch of things here and it's going to be huge spoilers so again giant spoilers for a bunch of general plot stuff um it's vampires and <laughs> and the the priest that is in this town the young priest turned out to be the old priest that had gone on the mission and came back young because he had found a vampire in the holy land and he mm-hmm. brought the vampire back to this island because he thought that it could help everybody. Because it, so he saw how young and virulent it made him again and how capable he was of going and being able to do everything. His ultimate goal was to to save his child and wife in the end. But you don't learn that until much later. Until, like, the
1: very end, pretty much. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, and so he brings it the, the, here and he starts doing all these things. He's very young. Nobody recognizes him because nobody really is that old. Who would actually, I'll say something. Okay.
1: Not actually his wife because he's a priest. But Right. Not actually yeah. his wife. But the closest thing to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was like a secretive
0: thing. But anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. And so he brings the, the vampire there and it turns out that Once you, because I don't know anybody who doesn't know vampire lore, I guess I'll explain a little bit. In order to become a vampire, you have to drink the vampire's blood, and that makes you become a vampire. Um, But in this, it doesn't happen until your natural death occurs. Once you've died, then you are resurrected as a vampire in this. It depends on the lore, but yeah. Yeah, in this, I'm saying specifically in this. Yes. (laughs) Um, So the thing that kicks off all of the real supernatural stuff. I think it's episode three, or four that it happens in. Um, is the priest mm-hmm. starts feeling very, very ill, and then he goes off to his house and he throws up mm-hmm. a bunch of very foamy, pinkish, reddish blood everywhere. Mm-hmm. Extremely, very much in the same thing that you saw the dog do in episode two. Almost exactly the same. Yeah. And what you see happening later. So here's the thing, though. Bev had to have poisoned the priest, right? Yes. But the thing that I can't pinpoint down is an exact reason why.
1: I don't know. Maybe she's just like some fucking crazy ass poisoning bitch. (laughs) 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 Um, Maybe she didn't like him much. Maybe she thought he wasn't as righteous or anything like that. I don't know. Um but yeah, that's actually one of my questions too. But it- I don't know how she did it.
3: Mine was because his of food the change. Like people don't, people don't like change, and especially her, as she yeah. very much notes, ta- notes that, you know, on the second episode, that she doesn't like change. So, um, I think she was just trying to get rid of it. I also think that, you know. Someone would have told her that someone else was coming in and nobody told her, and then this just random person is here. Um, and to be quite honest, like, I don't know who she sees when she first walks into the priest's house. Um, because it at the end of the first episode, um, she's like, Oh, you are here, you know, monsieur, you are here. Um, how are you? All this stuff, and she's looking around and you just see this trunk that's been unlocked after you heard knocking come out of it. And then the shadow Mm -hmm. comes out from the darkness and it's just a figure. You don't see a face. You don't see anything. So I don't know what she saw, but um, I think that she didn't trust it still. And I think that also got portrayed with him wearing the wrong um, vestments. Like, he was wearing the wrong colors. So I think mm-hmm. that also showed how much she probably wasn't trusting him.
1: Yeah. And yeah. And I think I think there's a point where he realized that she was doing this. Like right after I guess he died. And he's like in his bed and he brings her he brings or she brings him soup and then he's like i'm starving i don't know if this just because he's like you know vampire now he doesn't eat real food but like he side eyes the soup before he doesn't like he could like sense that it's poison i don't really know i could be just like looking into it too much but
3: vampire thing i think he didn't want people food anymore
1: yeah, possibly. But like, yeah. I think that's um, honestly
0: something that's so great about this is that it lets you piece it together yourself. Because I think, honestly, it could be both. I think it could be either or. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's kind of depending on what you think of the Bev character in the end or what you think of the Priest character even in the end um, of what you think happened here. I personally think that it was because of the vampire thing. Um, but I very much could see the him knowing it was poisoned thing. Because he doesn't seem to know he has a taste for blood until later. Until on. it happens, <laughs> yeah. And he's like super exposed to it, but yeah. I think that that's also one of those things that end up being um, really telling about the priest's character is how much he lies to Riley. And even when he says how he's how forthcoming he's going to be, he's like, oh, "It's all out on the table now. I'm going to tell you everything, Riley." He still mm-hmm. tells Riley he didn't feel guilty about the kill that he did whenever he was caught feeding or anything like that and mm-hmm. almost guilt riley into being okay with his fate um yeah because riley as as we set up already and as the show sets up literally like we said in the first two minutes of the show that he's killed somebody and so the priest's like again giant spoilers huge huge spoilers Um, Riley at this point has been turned into a vampire and there's this whole meeting that Riley and the priest have about what Riley should be expecting from here on out of being a vampire and that he's been given this huge gift and it's his job to explore it and that the priest trusts him to do so and yada 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 and so the priest is telling him like since we're being honest with each other, I didn't feel any guilt by feeding on this person. I felt nothing. All I felt was joy and this amazing feeling, but no guilt because I know it's what I needed to do. How does that make you feel, Riley? And he keeps yelling at him, keeps yelling at him, like asking him what he feels about him not feeling guilty. <clears throat> and Riley just keeps saying, angry, angry, I'm pissed off. And he's like, no, Riley, how do you actually feel? And finally, Riley, she's like, Jealous. And that's kind of like mm-hmm. a heartbreaking scene too. That, that just one line of jealous is very heartbreaking. Um, but even then, like I, as much as I trusted the priest, knowing now exactly everything at the very end of it, the priest just lied about everything. That's kind of his thing. He did. Yeah. <laughs> even when he claims to be telling the truth, he's still just very much lying about everything because. Mm-hmm. Or at least I feel like that because maybe he didn't feel guilt about it, but everybody else at at the end of that night ends up feeling very guilty about everything they've done.
3: I think that's mm-hmm. when he feels guilty. I don't think he was lying to Riley at that moment. I think he truly didn't because I think then is when he was like, "This is a miracle. This is a you know, God wanted us to do this, God." knew that I needed this so I was this is what I had to do and then at the end with everyone else is like okay maybe we didn't do the right thing that maybe this wasn't right I think we mm-hmm. did it
1: wrong and that's when the guilt comes in well I so- think part of that is um, maybe that's sort of what hammered it into him at that point that this probably isn't like the best thing was the end of episode 6 which is like one of the best episodes I think
0: it's so good. It's
1: extremely intense and just fucked up and <laughs> sad. Um, but it's just basically a whole fucking massacre inside the church. And but a no. lot of shit goes down. Yeah. And he sees, like, <laughs> the destruction of it and how it's going to affect everything. But also, like, <laughs> okay. Another thing that Bev did was really stupid. And the whole idea of just, like, turning everybody anyway and getting rid of, like, all of the creatures and animals and whatever on the island is, like, okay, they're vampires. Now what? What are they going to (laughs) eat? What are they going to eat? Because all the, like, normal humans are dead now. There's probably not any more animals because you see like the whole main vampires like lair, and there's like rats and humans and stuff like I dead think that ones. So
0: great about all of that. All of what happens with Bev at the end is that she finally sees a true grab for power, power that she's clearly always wanted because mm-hmm. she tries to manipula- manipulate her way into all of this power. And once she mm-hmm. like sees this path to it, she tries to force it in every single chance that she has to get that power. Maybe maybe that's why she poisoned the priest, because she wanted that power. Talking about it now, that makes sense, actually. Yeah.
1: Because she seemed
0: (laughs) to be mostly in, like, while the father was gone, she seemed to be in charge of, like, all of the goings on. She can't be a priest. No, she can't. (laughs) No. She was in charge of everything going on at the school, in the town. Like, she was kind of behind everything hmm so i think she you're right the whole like, rec center and got all that she laundered all that money probably <laughs> yeah so like once the priest came yeah. in and took that power away from her i think you're right i think that was that was the thing for her she lost her power and she was trying to gain it back
1: mm-hmm. that sounds about right actually she's like the the main villain in the whole fucking show
0: yeah if there's an antagonist i would truly say that she is it she's the worst
1: <laughs> can i say it again she's fucking horrible
0: She's awful. Um, But yeah, I think final thoughts on this show because we're just not going to be able to talk all of it.
1: Before we get into final thoughts, I just want to go into the sheriff's monologue and how how powerful that was as well um, and why he doesn't carry a gun and why he doesn't want to seem like a threat to the whole town. (laughs) Okay, It's because he is um, Muslim and um, the reason he actually left his precinct was because, you know, there was this whole just thing, how he was targeted, and he was called a terrorist, and all this shit. And I think that was a really powerful and interesting sort of backstory on his part, too, and why he's in the town
0: right. because he starts and going set. into like I after nine eleven I joined up and or I didn't join up to the force yet. Um, But there was this blood drive at the mosque and he knew that he had to go in and help in any way that he knew how he could because of this horrible tragedy that happened. Mm -hmm. And so he says when he gets to the mosque, there's lines just going around the block and just so many people trying to be helpful, helping out. And after that, he wanted to sign onto to the force and all of his friends told him it's a terrible idea. Don't do it. And he's like, he says, like, no, I wanted to show these people that I'm not the enemy. Like, I'm not a bad guy. I can go in there and I can be helpful. And so that's what I did. And everybody told me, don't Mm -hmm. do it, don't do it. But I went in anyway. And so I worked my way up and I worked my way up. And as I kept going, the thing that I noticed more and more was as I got more power, they also noticed that so many people that spoke the language and knew about the culture were getting higher and higher up quickly. And they started Mm -hmm. to see that as a threat. And so they started attacking me and following me and bugging me. And before I knew it, I had lost their trust. And before I knew it, I was demoted. I was on the night shift. I was, in, I was out of civ clothes again. And I was in a uniform. And I just knew that I had to change. And I knew this gig was here. And I had to take it. And I begged and I pleaded. And I pulled all the strings I could. And I got this job out on this island in the middle of nowhere. Because I thought, even at this point, maybe, maybe I can just move the needle one millimeter. And I can make things a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And that's why he doesn't carry a gun. Because, like, I don't want to show anybody that I can be a threat. And I want to be that friendly sheriff. That's why I help people. That's why I talk to people. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not doing the speech any justice. It really is a great. T- it's, a, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a monologue of his entire backstory. But it's absolutely gotta fantastic. Watch it. mm-hmm. uh, I think every character gets a minimum of 10 minutes of monologue about mm-hmm. about them and who they are and why they belong where they belong. And some characters get almost an entire episode of Monologue, which I think is also great.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Like Liz said, I think the priest character, you hear probably like a sermon and a half out of him through this show.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, But even though this, again, even though this show is very religion-based, I didn't feel like it was trying to force anything or shove anything down my throat. And um, yeah, there's a whole different... It shows that there's so many different sides. And I think that's good to show sometimes. I think. Even though I'm very bitter about religion in general and just
0: all of it. but <laughs> Couldn't tell. Um, I think the <laughs> antithesis of like the opposing sides of the religion is, I forget which episode it is. I think it's episode four, I want to say. That happens um, what? Where Riley and Aaron have the conversation about death and what happens.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I think that that is the thing that shows the most compelling parts of both sides and how they view religion and life and life after life, if there is that, mm-hmm. and what they think happens. And I think that both of them equally get a beautiful monologue that I think encapsulates, more or less in my opinion anyway, Maybe uh, pro- other people probably have different opinions on it, but I think it encapsulates both sides. Of religion and non-religion about what you think the perfect thing of the ending is of your ending of life ending um i'm mm-hmm. coming from two
3: you know yin, yin and yang people where riley was the altar boy he believed everything he got you know the shitty thing happened he read all of the bibles qurans whatever you know he read them all searching and he didn't find anything, so comes back non-religious. Whereas Green was non-religious growing up, worse, you know, bring up um, leaves comes back and is on,
0: you know, religion side. So yeah, they're they're great opposite sides of the spectrum. And that, that I think that one scene just shows like how powerful I think the writing is. Going back to what you were saying about Mike Flanagan, like. The writing, as much as the acting, is honestly incredible. And if I don't see at least two of these actors get an award next season, I'm going to be <laughs> a um, I think the writing really shows that, like, it feels personal in a way. It feels like Mike Flanagan coming out there and being like, these yeah. are the things that I've been struggling with. And I've been. Well, apparently it is. So <laughs> <Yeah>, it's it, it <laughs> exactly the like it life's work of writing of him, like, being able to, like, this is the best way mm-hmm. I can put all of my thoughts on both sides out on the paper. And that's it. Like, not judging yeah. it either way. But this is this is the best that I can do to explain my thoughts on both sides. and I think I think it's yeah. the best version of that I've ever seen in media in my in my. Opinion.
1: yeah, not really taking any sides, just showing.
0: Them. yeah, yeah. I think that that's As end up being so beautiful about this show. yeah. <laughs> and out out of all of the craziness and the vampires and the murder and the slaughter and all the big plot points, I think that's the one thing I'm going to take away from this out of everything.
1: Like the whole religion thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Which is an interesting thing in these shows. Because there's always like some supernatural, underlying supernatural thing. But that's the thing. It's it's underlying. And like everything else, the real human things take precedence over all the other crazy shit that's going on. Which I think is cool and interesting. Yeah. Um, for sure. And I think that's good horror
0: honestly to be honest yeah if you want to even call this show horror or not i don't know (laughs) i think it's in the genre in a way yeah but yeah i think honestly i would give my highest recommendations in every single sense of the word to this show um Mm -hmm. the only thing i would say is if you're squeamish about blood and guts maybe the blood gets a little too much here and there but I don't think it's gory in a violent, horrible way at any particular point, except for one point specifically in episode 6 where it's trying to make you feel that way. Yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. high, high, high regards for this show and huge recommendations on my part.
1: Yeah, same here. Um, I think it's a must-watch for anybody. Um, yeah, I'm interested, interested to see what all of this, the discussions around it will be after, you know, more people watched it and whatnot. Yeah, me too. But I th- I feel like it's going to be highly praised because, like, it's basically flawless <laughs> in I my think,
0: eyes. I think the only problem with it is some of the things that we brought up tonight about, like, questions that we have. I think a lot of people are going to view the priest becoming a vampire halfway through as a problem and a plot hole that doesn't make sense. Because I think that mm-hmm. with Netflix being what it is, people pick up their phones and they start scrolling through whatever, doing their thing. Uh, I think this is a show that if you don't really give it your whole, all of your attention, that you can miss so many small little small little things in there.
1: Yeah, and this show doesn't deserve that. It deserves to be just consumed, like all of it.
0: Yeah, it's great. What, what do you think, Liz?
3: <laughs> it's a show, guys. I'm just kidding. yeah <laughs> um, wow. I don't, I liked it. I really liked it a lot uh, more than I thought I was going to. Um, like I said at the beginning, um, I found out there was only seven when in the world I'm used to ten. And <laughs> I didn't know I was so close to the end. Um, but I just love the evolution of it and how it evolves. And hands down, it's the writing for me. Um I had, like, some little things with editing because, you know, that's my big thing. (laughs) But I – the writing made me just forgive it all. Like, I don't even remember what they were now. I really don't Um, (laughs) because the writing, it makes me forgive it. I'm like, you can – you made me fall in love from the beginning. So I – there's nothing better than that. And it just reminds me of like getting into a really good book. Either it catches you or it doesn't. And it caught me. So I like it. If you don't like talking, you might not like it.
0: Super um, <laughs> monologue heavy.
3: Um, So it's up to you. But I think if you give it a chance, it'll be good. I think good dialogue will come around it. But yeah. It's on Netflix if you want to watch it right now. All of it. All at once. Seven hours of your day. <laughs> that's what you want to do. If you, you don't want to go to binge work it. Tomorrow and watch yeah. midnight mass, please do so. You know, <laughs> you can do it. You can absolutely do it. It'll be good. Good, uh, good
1: times. Good. But time. Also, it is kind of intense. So maybe not binge it completely.
0: <laughs> it's super intense. It is, but it's well <laughs> worth the watch. Definitely. highly recommend It is. <laughs> um, I guess last thing here before we get too long in the tooth, uh, if anybody wants to get a hold of us, you can do that at thelastonesinpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that is thelastonesinpodcast at gmail.com. Or, of course, we have our link tree, l-i-n-k-t-r dot e forward slash l-o-i-p. That'll take you to all of our socials and a bunch of places that you can listen to us on. Um, yeah, besides that, everybody uh, have a great week out there. We'll have a new episode coming up. Uh, next Thursday it's all spooky season so it's going to be all spooktacular stuffs uh, a bunch of double features <laughs> we did a slasher episode came out today 1978's halloween and 1980s friday the 13th that episode just came out today if you want to listen to that and uh yeah uh if if you can uh go out and get vaccinated it's super important to be vaccinated uh unless your doctor says don't in which case don't uh, listen listen to your doctor um have a great week everybody be safe be kind to everybody um, I always forget at this part whenever I'm the one that has to do the outro uh, to play the outro music so I guess I started the outro music now uh, <laughs> and it gets just really awkward for a second while we wait for the music <laughs> to the so everybody out there be safe <laughs> have a great one uh, talk to you again next week bye bye <laughs>